This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Mr. Keene, Tracer of Lost Persons, was one of radio's longest-running shows, airing from October 12th of 1937 to April 19th of 1955, continuing well into the television era. It was produced by Frank and Ann Hummert and based upon Robert W. Chambers' 1906 novel, The Tracer of Lost Persons. The clichés, stereotypes, and simplistic dialogue provided much fodder to Bob and Ray's parody, Mr. Trace, keener than most persons. That was broadcast in numerous variations. The character of Mr. Keen was referenced by Alfred Hitchcock in one of his television shows. Mr. Keen also mentioned in the stage version of Bye Bye Birdie by the character Mr. Harry McAfee, who was played by Paul Land. <laughs> and in the Honeymooner sketch Razor Blades, uh, appearing on October 12th of 1951, the episode, uh, Ralph Cramden cannot find his razor blades. And when he questions Alice Cramden about it, she responds, What am I, Mrs. Keene, tracer of lost razor blades? So, let's hear an episode of this long-running radio drama. This show was entitled Missing Witness. Keen Tracer of Lost Persons is on the air. Ladies and gentlemen, the makers of Colonel's Toothpaste present Mr. Keen, Tracer of Lost Persons, one of the most famous characters of American fiction in one of radio's most thrilling dramas. Tonight and every Thursday night from 7.30 to 8, Eastern Wartime, the famous old investigator will take from his files and bring to us one of his most celebrated missing persons cases. But first, if your teeth are not every bit as bright and lustrous as they should be, resolve right now to bring out the natural sparkle of your smile with colonos. A high-polishing toothpaste. You see, the new Colonos acts on your teeth as a jeweler's polish does on tarnished silver, safely, gently removing dingy surface stains, thereby uncovering the full natural sparkle of your smile. Ask your druggist for Colonos. K-O-L-Y-N-O-S. Colonos toothpaste. <laughs> Now, Mr. Keene, tracer of lost persons. Tonight he brings us the case of the missing witness, one of the strangest of his career, a case in which murder, 
Three beautiful women and a fashion show are all strangely mingled. But listen now. As our story opens, a man is seated in a chair. Across his head slants a bar of sunlight. And on his face is a completely incredulous smile. He rises slowly to say, Don't be a fool, my dear. Put it down before you hurt yourself. Can't you hear me? Stop this ridiculous play acting. Put it down, I say. <laughs> you really did it. I didn't think you had it in you. Does you? the quiet office of Mr. Keene, as his spinster secretary, Miss Ellis, enters to ask a favor. Mr. Keene, I wonder if I might get off early this afternoon. You want to do some shopping, Miss Ellis? Oh, no, no. I'm going to a fashion show. Why, Miss Ellis, I didn't know you were interested in fashion shows. But are you insinuating that I dress like a bag of potatoes? No. no, no. As a matter of fact, Mr. Keene, it's something very, very special. You see, when I was living in Queens about 15 years ago, there used to be a little widow next door. Pretty little creature. Oh, such a struggle to make a living for herself and her daughter. I'd give her a bit of sewing every now and then to help, and... <laughs> well, you won't believe me when I tell you her name. Try me. Mary Blaine. Today, she's the most brilliant in America. Good heavens, that is... The dress, the dinner suit, the short evening gown. She's enormously famous and wealthy now. Yes, I read a piece about Mrs. Blaine in one of the magazines. Called her the epitome of the successful career woman. Well, she's giving her mid-season fashion show today, and she asked me to come for all lang syne. Brilliant woman. Oh, uh, Mary's a... Look here, Mr. Keene. Don't you come along and meet her. <laughs> Me? Dozens of men there, and all in love with Beauty Blaine. Oh, oh do come. Now you've not... Well, uh, uh, All right, Miss Ellis. Now, you see, Mr. Keene, I told you that... Oh, that's the general talking to her, right? She is beautiful, all right. Success. How do you mean? There's an expression in her face of strain, anxiety. Maybe. Oh, she's noticed me. Here she comes. Isn't she stunning in that little gray number? Mm. Miss Ellis, I'm so glad you could come. Well, thank you, Mary, dear. And I took the liberty of bringing my boss, Mr. Keene. How do you do, Mr. Keene? Delighted to know you. I've been hearing about you for years from Miss Ellis. How wise you are. And how kind. Now, now, don't give away any secrets. <laughs> that it's very sweet of you to break away from all those generals and things to say hello to just me, Mary. You were my friend when I was nobody. Well, you've always deserved the best friends in the world, Mary, and... Uh, oh, look, somebody's waiting to you. Oh, oh, my manager. It's time for the show to begin. I'll have to get up to the microphone there to announce the new models as they come by. I'm so glad to have met you, Mr. Keene. The pleasure was mine. Yes, she's lovely and famous but not quite happy. Oh, you with your X-ray eyes. Well, here starts the fashion parade, Mr. Keene. Ladies and gentlemen, my first offering, a long dinner dress with panel of pleated white chiffon tied with a grosgrain ribbon at the back. 
Isn't that stunning? Yes, even an old bachelor can see that. Uh, especially an old bachelor. <laughs> That's funny. I don't see Eric Plummer here, Miss Keene. Eric Plummer? You mean the portrait painter? Yes, and gay dog number one of New York. Oh, they're good friends, Miss Ellis? He's been infatuated with Mary for some time. You mean he and Mrs. Blaine are going to marry? Well, Mary's a strange one, Mr. Keene. Never quite sure whether men love her for herself or her importance. But it seems that Eric Plummer has finally won her heart. And now a black velour suit with lean, plumb-lined skirt. A double-breasted jacket with high scroll lapel and a scroll hip pocket. Oh, look, Mr. Keene, over there by the door. Yes, Miss Ellis? That charming little blonde, that's Mary's daughter, Bunny. Quite a young lady. Uh, hard to believe that Mary would have a daughter 18 years old. Yes, she's still so young herself. Hmm. Mary won't be too pleased about her coming here. Why? Well, Mary just likes to keep Bunny away from business and career and men of the world. Oh. Mary's learned to value everything old-fashioned. A little white house with chintz curtains. In other words, one of America's greatest career women thinks that a woman's place is really in the home. And a simple home. Miss Ellis. Miss Ellis. Hello, Bunny, dear. Miss Ellis, how long has the show been going on? About 15 minutes. I must talk to Mother. I must. But, dear, she's up there at the microphone. You can see. Something horrible has happened. I must talk to her. But, Bunny, what do you mean? <laughs> and now, with my last offering before the intermission, another short dinner dress. <laughs> Senior Bunny, she's coming this way. Oh, now, dear, try to quiet yourself and here, let me introduce you to Mr. Keene. How do you do, Bunny? Mr. Keene, you're the famous detective. I am an investigator. Well, maybe you can do something about this horrible thing. What horrible thing, Bunny? Hello, Bunny, dear. Mother. Darling, I I thought you were going skating with your young soldier friend. No, I didn't. Oh, Mother. Mother. Oh, come, Bunny. What's happened? I, I went to Eric Plummer's studio instead half an hour ago. To Eric's studio? Why? He asked me to tea. He wanted to talk about, about doing my portrait. He might have asked me about that. Oh, it was all to be a surprise, Mother. Eric said it would make me the toast of cafe society. I'd become glamour girl number one of 1944. Oh, my dear. You should have gone skating. Bob Martin is such a fine boy, and, and his fellow will be up soon. Mother, I still haven't told you what happened. If you'd rather we left you alone. Oh, no, no, Mr. King, please stay. I beg you to. Well, what has happened, Bunny? When I got to the studio, rang the doorbell. A policeman came out. A policeman? He asked me all sorts of questions because... Because, you see, Eric's been shot. Shot. Through the head. He's dead, Mother. He's dead. Oh, how utterly horrible. The police said there weren't any clues at all. Oh, imagine anybody killing a wonderful man like Eric Plummer. It's ghastly. Ghastly. I want to find the person who killed Eric. I want to make them pay. And that's why I thought maybe Mr. Keene... Yes, Mr. Keene. In a situation like this... You'd know exactly what to do. But if the police are already on the case... Well, one moment, please. Bunny, go over to Mr. LaRue and ask him to announce the rest of the show. All right, Mother. And you, Mr. Keene, would you please step into my office with me? Oh, forgive me, Miss Ellis. Oh, it's quite all right, Mary. Here. Here, Mr. Keene. Thank you. Well, my dear? Mr. Keene, Bunny's news. Did not altogether surprise me. Really? In fact, I know very well who killed Eric Plummer. You do? But first, 
Mr. Keene, I've heard you're the cleverest private investigator in this country. Thank you. Do something for me, please. Go to Eric's studio. Examine all the evidence. When you come back... Yes? I'll tell you who killed Eric Plummer. Good afternoon, Captain Thomas. Oh, well, if it isn't Mr. Keene, your assistant with you, the one and only Mike. Glad to see you both. Good day to yourself, Captain. You're handling the police investigation, Captain? That's right, Mr. Keene. Come in. Thank you. Well, what brings you here, if I may ask? I was with Eric Plummer's fiancée, Mrs. Mary Blaine, when she got word of the shooting. She's very upset, naturally. She asked me to look into it. Do you mind? Not at all, Mr. King. It's murder, all right. Has the medical examiner been here yet? We're waiting for him now. If I might look at the body. Certainly. This way, sir. In this room here. Well, there he is. Just the way we found him. Hmm. He had been sitting by his easel in the center of the room. But there's nothing on the easel, Bob. Just an empty frame. Quite right, Mike. We figure there was once a painting there, Mr. Keene, and the person who shot him was being painted and ripped it off the frame to avoid identification. Yes, very possible indeed, Captain. Now then, if I may look at the wound. Right there in the head. <sighs> no powder marks. No. The path of the bullet hit. Entered just above the right ear at uh, a distance of... Uh, what would you say, Captain? Doesn't it seem to you that bullet was fired from 15 feet or more? I leave that kind of guessing to the medical examiner. Hmm. Oh, uh, may I ask why you're staring at the walls now, Mr. King? I was wondering about the proportions of this room. I measured it already. 20 by 20. Oh, thank you. No sign anywhere of the gun that killed him? None. May I ask how you learned about the shooting? Uh, through a neighbor. The shot resounded pretty loud in the air she had back of that window there. And the neighbor who heard it? A gal who has the studio in the back. Portuguese gal. Rosa Avalar. She was taking a bath at the time she heard the shot. Quick as she could, she came and knocked on the door here. No answer, so she sent for us. Well, thank you, Captain. I won't trouble you any further. on the landing below. I'd rather go in alone. Okay, Mr. Miss Avila? Yes? I'm taking a hand in the investigation of the murder next door. Well, I have already talked to the police. Just one or two questions more. Why not? I want to help as much as I can. This Mr. Plummer was a very kind gentleman. In what way? Oh, he is a painter and I am a painter. But I am a little one, a poor one. He made me many loans of materials. Very generous. As one artist to another, eh? Yes, of course. Well, what I'd like to know is, did you see who entered his studio in the hours before he was shot? No. I am busy painting a flower piece. That one there? Yes. It's lovely. You like it? Very much. I presume you're working from that vase of roses on the windowsill. Yes, that's right. Hmm. Well, now, after the shooting, did you hear anybody running from the studio? Well, I am not sure. You see, I am taking a bath. 
with the window closed. I hear a loud noise like a shot, but nothing else. Thank you. Sorry to have troubled you. <laughs> no trouble at all. Well, Mr. King. Mike, I'd like you to check something for me right away. Why, sure, sir. While I go back to see Mrs. Blaine, I want you to dig up the landlord of this house and just as routine, check on these points. <laughs> Just a few moments, the scene follows between Mr. Keene and Mary Blaine. Meanwhile, remember, first impressions are usually lasting impressions. People judge you by the way they see you. They decide almost at once whether they want to know you better or not. And one of the greatest factors that influence everyone you meet is your teeth. If your teeth are dull and discolored by surface stains, chances are nine times out of ten that others find you unattractive. That's why I want to tell you about the new Colonos toothpaste. It's a high-polishing toothpaste. Thousands more people every day are discovering it does wonders in helping to remove from the teeth those dingy-looking surface stains so that the natural sparkle and brilliance is revealed. What's more, Colonos is delightfully pleasant to use because it leaves your mouth feeling tingling clean and refreshed. For its action is like a jeweler's polish removing tarnish from a piece of silver. So if you want a smile that makes a good impression, that adds to your charm and personality, try the new Colonos toothpaste, a high-polishing toothpaste. Get Colonos, K-O-L-Y-N-O-S, Colonos toothpaste at any drugstore tonight. And now Mr. Keene faces Mary Blaine, Eric Plummer's beautiful and famous fiancée. Here, Mr. King. Sit down. Thank you, Mrs. Blaine. You went there. You examined the evidence. Yes. I fulfilled my part of the bargain. And now I'll have to fulfill mine. Well, my dear, you said you knew who killed Eric Plummer. I did, Mr. King. I killed him. You? I fancied you'd say that. Oh, not because I'm shielding anybody else. Please don't get the conventional idea that my daughter, that Bunny, perhaps... No, no. If you did it, why did you send me back to look at the evidence? Because, because I hoped and prayed that perhaps I didn't do it. Oh, I, I know all this sounds mad. Tell me the whole story. The whole story, Mr. King? I've given my best years to fight my way to the top. Now it's just one long nightmare of anxiety to stay there. Men flock around me. Why? For my money? My fame, or for myself, I can never be sure. When I met Eric Plummer, I, I knew he led a rather wild life, but he was a great artist in his own right. And when he told me he loved me, it sounded real for once. Or I hoped it was real. Yes, my dear. Go on. Lately, he's been painting my portrait. Once I took Bunny to watch. That was a mistake. Eric went to work on Bunny with all his charm. A man old enough to be her father. I want to keep Bunny wholesome and natural, Mr. Keene. I asked Eric again and again to stop turning her head. Today, this morning, I went to sit for him again. And to have it out with him once and for all. I was sitting on the dais, and he was painting. He looked up and laughed. He said... <laughs> well, my dear, you wouldn't be jealous of Bunny now, would you? 
Don't be silly, Eric. I just want you to leave Bunny alone. <laughs> Such a hackneyed situation, isn't it? The poor man starts by falling in love with the mother, and then suddenly he sees that after all, it's the daughter he loves. Eric, you don't love anybody. It's all a game with you. Ah, me. The eternal triangle. He'd taken that tone with me before, Mr. Keene. Laughed at me. This time I was desperate. I wasn't going to let him ruin Bunny's life. I brought along a revolver. I took it from my bag. Eric looked up and said, Mary, you're much too sophisticated for that kind of nonsense. You must promise me never to see Bunny again. <laughs> Eric, I'm serious about this. Believe uh, don't me. Don't be a fool, my dear. Put it down before you hurt yourself. Can't you hear me? Stop this ridiculous play acting. Put it down, I say. <laughs> you really did it. I don't think you had it in you. And there he lay dead before you, Mrs. Lane. Mr. Keene, will you believe me? I was... I was horrified. I never really meant to pull that trigger. I only wanted to frighten him. And suddenly, he was dead. I suppose I should give myself up to the police. One moment. Before you do anything like that, what has become of the gun? Well... After I ran from the house, my first thought was to get rid of it. I threw it away. Where? There was a can of cinders standing in front of one of the houses. I pushed the gun inside and covered it over. That, my dear, was a great mistake. You went and buried your own best witness. Witness? Yes. To the fact that you never shot Eric Plummer. But I didn't shoot him. No. It was a physical impossibility. Why? Why do you say that? Better answer Hello. Uh, begging your pardon. May I speak to Mr. Keene? One moment, please. Mr. Keene. Thank you. Hello? Boss, Mr. Keene. Oh, hello, Mike. What did you find out? Boss, you hit it on the nose. Good, Mike. I'm glad. Now, something else for you to do. Yes, sir. Check with the sanitation department at once. Ask what they've done with the cinders they removed this morning from the 3000 block in East 58th Street. Cinders? What I'm really after is a gun. The caliber... 38. 38. Mike, we must have it. Talk of a needle in a haystack. I know you won't fail me, Mike. Okay, sir. So you think I did not kill Eric? Strange, isn't it? But I have to get evidence to convince you of your own innocence. But if I didn't, who did, Mr. Keene? That, my dear, is another story. And a rather tragic one. Forgive me if I run along now. <laughs> You are here again. The old gentleman. Yes, I'm afraid I must trouble you again. With more questions? This is a matter of life or death. For whom? A woman, a daughter, other person. Well, what do you want now? Permission to inspect your studio. I want to study the layout. Sorry, I cannot talk to anyone. Mr. Avalon. She slammed the door in my face. <laughs> Stand in anybody's office. Why, Mike, you're all covered with ashes. Like a specter risen from the grave. 
I've been digging through a mountain of ashes all night. Where? Oh, over on the East Drive. They were taking it for landfill. Did you find it, Mike? Yeah, boss. Good work. Have a look inside. Mike, I'm going back to Mary Blaine's place at once. I beg your pardon, sir. Are you going in there by any chance to see Mrs. Blaine? Yes, Corporal. You are a corporal, aren't you? Yes, sir. Bob Martin's my name. My name is Keene. I believe you're a friend of Bunny's. Oh, I'm crazy about her. I came up on this furlough just to see Bunny. She locks herself away from me. Won't come to the phone. Not sophisticated enough for her, I guess. I rather fancy she may soon have a fill of sophistication. Well, I just thought if you saw Bunny around inside there... I'll be glad to tell her you're here. And too bashful to break in. Thank you. I've been waiting so anxiously ever since you phoned that you were coming. Can we speak somewhere privately? Of course. This door. Mr. Keene. Hello, Bunny. You have good news for us. Bunny knows everything I, I told her. I don't see how I ever could have thought Eric was glamorous. Well, we found a gun, Mrs. Blaine. Look at it. It's mine. The one I tried to get rid of. Not one of the cartridges has been fired. You are sure... My dear, you couldn't possibly have killed him, and for many reasons. What do you mean? You say Eric Plummer was facing you when you aimed the revolver? Yes, Mr. Keene. But the bullet actually entered from the side of his head. The side? In fact, judging from the lack of powder marks, from the distance at which the fatal bullet was obviously fired, nobody inside that room could have killed him. Why, Mr. Keene? The room is 20 by 20. With Plummer sitting in the center, it is easel. A person aiming the pistol with arm outstretched would nowhere have been more than ten feet from him. But the bullet traveled at least fifteen feet. Fifteen? Then where did it come from? Outside the apartment. From a studio just across the narrow air shaft and through the open window of Plummer's studio. And the person who killed him? A young lady, I'm afraid. Also a painter. We learned from the landlord that it was Plummer who engaged the little back studio for her a year ago. Eric did? Yes. And he was supposed to be so madly in love with Mother... For the past three months, her rent hasn't been paid at all. Plummer finally lost interest. The young lady, Miss Avalar, seems quite hot-tempered. Charm. Glamour. And in the end, murder. Come in. Oh, Mr. Keith. Captain Thomas. Your office said I'd find you here. I have a message for you. For me? It was addressed to the old gentleman. We figured out that means you. From, from Rosa Avalar. Yeah. Read it. Old gentleman, you are very wise. You guess the truth. Now I will save everybody's time by sentencing myself. Rosa Avalar. Oh, she... She committed suicide? Half hour ago, ma'am. I'm sorry about this. Truly sorry. Well, that closes the case. I'll have to get along now and write the police... Goodbye, Captain Thomas. Mr. King, how can I ever thank you? You were innocent, Mrs. Blaine. I was happy to be able to help you. Eric, everything about him was so mean, so heartless. That reminds me, Bunny. I believe there's a boy, a very bashful one, who's hanging around outside. Oh, not poor Bob. Yes, poor Bob. Boy your own age. 
with ten times the real glamour of a man like Eric Plummer. Oh, dear, he must be furious with me. No, just dying to see you. My dear, whenever you're tempted to see glamour in a man like Eric Plummer, remember that all that glisters is not gold. Often you have heard that told. Gilded tombs do worms enfold. How terribly true. I've realized it for a long time. And now, so do I. All right, Bunny. Run along with you and make that poor, bashful soldier happy. And so, Mr. Keene concludes the case of the missing witness. Listen next week at the same time as he brings us the baffling and colorful case of the girl who sang too well. Every girl and woman knows that in order to be popular today, one of the most important things she needs is an attractive smile. A smile that reveals clean and sparkling teeth. And to the man in business, teeth that make a good impression are just as important, too. If you're not certain that your own teeth are as attractive as they should be, here's something you will want to know. The new Colonos high-polishing toothpaste does wonders in helping to remove those dingy surface stains. Helps reveal the natural brilliance of your teeth that adds so much to the charm and personality of your smile. I'll tell you why it does this. It's action on teeth. Is like that of a jeweler's polish on tarnished silver. So start using Colonos, a high-polishing toothpaste yourself, right away. You can get Colonos, K-O-L-Y-N-O-S, Colonos at any drugstore tonight. You've just been listening to Mr. Keene, Tracer of Lost Persons. Now on the air at a new time. Every Thursday night, 7.30 to 8, Eastern Wartime over this network. Don't miss Mr. Keene next Thursday night when the kindly old tracer turns to the case of the girl who sang too well. This is Larry Elliott saying good night for the makers of Colonel's Toothpaste and Mr. Keene, tracer of lost persons. <laughs> Stay tuned for The Aldridge Family next on Theater of the Mind. Time now to see what's going on in The Aldridge Family in a show that was first aired in 1953. The Aldridge Family and The Delivery Bicycle. The wonderful thing about the teenage time of your life is the fact that you can experience it twice. Once in your own growing up, and more or less continually thereafter, and the misadventures of your own are your neighbor's Henry Aldridge. The scene opens in the Aldridge living room. The time is evening. 
Sam, I don't think you're looking at this from Henry's point of view. You're quite right, I'm not. I'm looking at it from Mr. McCall's, or whatever his name is, point of view. And if you'll remember, Alice, I advised Henry in the first place not to take that job unless he was sure he could stick to it. Well, dear, that's the whole point. Henry isn't working tonight because he isn't supposed to work. He's taking Eleanor to the spring dance at the country club. Yeah? Well, then what's all the fuss about? Well, there isn't any fuss. Mr. McCall down at the drugstore phoned a few minutes ago and wanted to know where the bicycle is. The what? The bicycle Henry delivers packages on. You mean he's lost it? Oh, no, Sam. Of course he hasn't. The bicycle is right out on the front porch. Well, what's wrong with that? Well, nothing, dear. Except that Henry didn't understand that he was to return it tonight. And don't you think Mr. McCall could be reasonable and let him bring it back tomorrow? Because there isn't any other way to get it back. Is there? Alice, you, um, you aren't by any chance leading up to the suggestion that I take the bicycle back, are you? My dear, that hadn't even entered my head. Would you want to? <laughs> I would not. And Alice, if his employer wants that bicycle, Henry should take it to him, no matter how far it is. But, dear, do you think his employer realizes that Henry is only young once? And that this is one of the most important dances the club is having all season. No, I don't imagine he does. Do you? Do I what? Yes, I realize a boy is young only once. And a man reaches my age only once. And I'm going to sit in this chair and read this paper and not deliver any bicycle. Mother, mother, are you too busy to fix my necktie, please? Oh, no, Henry. Sit down on the arm of this chair while I straighten it. Okay. Did I just hear you and Father talking about Mr. McCall's bicycle? You did. Well, look, Father, be sure to remember this. When you first push back on the brake, your feet will go all the way around once, but the second time around, you'll stop. <laughs> at least you'll usually stop. I won't stop at all. You won't? You mean Mother didn't have a chance to explain things to you? Henry, if I gave you the impression that I was going to ask your father to take that bicycle back for you, I'm afraid you misunderstood me. <laughs> So I'm going to ask Mary to do it. Mary? Mary isn't even here. Well, she will be. She'll be back any minute. Well, are you sure? Because I feel very responsible for that bicycle. And Eleanor. And the dance. Well, you haven't one thing to worry about. Now, you run upstairs and put your coat on. Yes, Mother, sure. Thanks very much. Oh, Sam, did you see that? Did I see what? How conscientious he is. Why, he wouldn't even put his coat on t until I assured him that Mary would take care of the bicycle. All right, Alice, just so Mr. McCall gets it back tonight. Oh, Sam, you talk as though returning a bicycle were the most awful problem in the world. Mother! Oh, yes, Mary, I'm coming. My goodness, Mother, look at what I've just sent in my brand new stockings. Mary Aldridge, how did you do that? On that old bicycle out on the front porch. And, Mother, I was planning to wear these stockings to the dance tonight. Well, Mary, you didn't tell me you were going to the dance. Well, Mother, don't you remember I told you at breakfast this morning, and I'm late as it is. Well, you mean you haven't time to... to... I haven't time to what? Oh. oh, nothing, dear. You're only young once. Go on up and get your clothes changed. I've got to put in a phone call. Number, please. Elm 232. Elm 232. Mother, don't you think it'd be all right if I tell Henry he has to pay for these stockings? Mary, Henry only earns 50 cents for a whole afternoon's work. And those stockings cost 98. No, Mother, they cost a dollar fifteen. Well, that makes it worse. Aren't you ashamed? Hello, Mrs. Brown speaking. Oh, hello, Elizabeth. This is Alice. Is Homer there? Why, just a minute, Alice. Homer, you're one on the telephone. Alice, while you're on the way down, I want to ask you. 
Did you know about the Allison's party? The Allison's? Are they giving a party? Yes, dear. I understand they've invited scads of people. Oh, really? When is it? It's tonight. Tonight, Elizabeth? Well, aren't you invited? No. Oh, you mean you want either? Well, no. No. <laughs> well, I guess you and I just aren't included. <laughs> well, isn't that terrible? Oh, I'm not surprised about myself, Alice, but after all, you've entertained the Allisons. Well, that's the way things are, Elizabeth. You never know. <laughs> oh, just a minute, Alice. Here's Homer. Hello. Homer, can't you say hello, Mrs. Aldridge? I didn't know it was Mrs. Aldridge. Hello, Mrs. Aldridge. <laughs> hello, dear. Mother, could you be lacing my shoes? How are you, Mrs. Aldridge? Uh, Homer, how would you like to earn a little money? Some money? Why? Well, it won't be very much, but it'll probably come in very handy. Okay, sure. When do you want me? Tomorrow morning? No, dear, tonight. Tonight? Yes, dear. You can do the whole thing tonight. Well, I'm not working tonight, Mrs. Aldridge. I'm meeting Agnes at the country club. You're going to the dance? Well, are you sure you wouldn't like to do just one little errand? Oh, gee, no. I've got to save myself to dance. <laughs> well, I suppose you're only young once. What's that? Nothing, Homer. Goodbye, dear. Mother! Oh, come here, Henry. I'm afraid I have something I have to tell you. You have, Mother? Oh, how do I look? How do you like my hair this oh, way, huh? Henry. Gee, I can't begin to tell you how much I appreciate your fixing things up for me. Are you sure Mary will be back in time? Mary's already back. The only thing is... Boy, that... Mother, there isn't another guy in this town who has a mother that... <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, Henry, you don't have to hug me quite so tight. Oh. So what was it you wanted to say to me? Why, nothing, dear. You go right on and have a good time. Okay. Good night, Mother. Good night. And don't stay out late. Okay. And you explain to Mary how responsible I feel about that bicycle. Well, hello there, Mrs. Aldrich. Don't tell me you're out wheeling a baby this time of night. Good evening, Mrs. Hooper. No, this is a bicycle. A what? A delivery bicycle. It has a sidecar. Oh, yeah. Well, I recognized your face, but I couldn't place the sidecar. <laughs> I'm just bringing it over here to Mr. McCall's drugstore. It's very good exercise. Uh, is there something I can do for you, madam? Why, yes. Are you Mr. McCall? Uh, uh, yes, ma'am. Well, I've just returned your bicycle for Henry Aldrich. Mm, oh, yes. Yeah. Well, where is Henry? i got a couple packages for him to deliver. Tonight? Well, I didn't know he was supposed to... Why did you think I wanted the bicycle? I understood the boy was responsible. Mr. McCall, let me make one thing clear. Henry feels most responsible about his work here. Yeah? All right. Can you get him on the phone and tell him to come down here? Well, I'm sorry, but he left the house before I did. Yeah? You his sister? His sister? Why, I'm his... Do I really? Yeah. <laughs> Look, I've got a new store in here. And I am trying my best to please my customers. A couple of orders come in and I promise them, and then your brother lets me down. Now, what am I going to do? Well, if Henry's going to be put in the position of... of... You mean I really look like... <laughs> uh, where did the packages go? <laughs> You mean you'll take them out for me? Well, I'll... There's a dollar forty due on this ice cream uh -huh. and, and 90 cents on this cough medicine. Uh -huh. yeah, and look out for the brake on the bicycle. The bicycle? Oh, you don't mean I have to ride it, do you? Lady, do you realize how far you have to take those packages? Well, my goodness! Uh, yeah, yeah, hello, McCall's Pharmacy. This is Mrs. Ellison. May I ask about my ice cream? This is who? Mrs. Ellison, over 
that ice cream you promised to send over. Yeah, oh, yes, Mrs. Allison. The girl just left with it. Well dance. Boy, am I having a good time. So am I, Henry. I never had a better time in my life. Hi, Eleanor. Oh, hello, Homer. Can I have the next dance with you? Oh, I'm sorry, Homer, but I promised it to Henry. You have? Boy, am I having a bum time. What's the matter, Homer? Agnes, Agnes. Do you know what she did? She was so anxious to get here, she ran out of her front door and rolled right down the steps. <laughs> so she had to go back and change her clothes all over again. Really? I'll see you later, Homer. Mary? My sister? Yes. There she is. Was she coming here? Hello, Eleanor. Oh, Mary, did you have any trouble with that brake? With what brake? Well, didn't you notice how your foot flips off the pedal the first time? My foot what? Mary, don't you know? The bicycle. I certainly do know about it. I tripped right over it, and you owe me a brand new pair of stockings. I do? Just for taking it back to Mr. McCall? For taking what back? The bicycle, the bicycle. Didn't Mother tell you? She didn't even mention it, Henry. Oh, boy. Henry, where are you going? I'll be right back, Eleanor, just as soon as I get something straightened out. Homer. Hey, Homer. What, Henry? As long as you're waiting around for Agnes, how would you like to earn 50 cents? Alice. Alice, are you upstairs? Alice. Hello, Sam Oli speaking. Sam, this is Alice. What's that, Alice? When did you leave the house? Why, uh, quite a while ago, dear. And, dear, I hate to bother you when I know you're reading your paper, but I'm afraid you'll have to come over and get me. Get you? Yes, I have a flat tire. <laughs> you mean you took the car? Oh, no, dear. I have... Well, I took... Well... You what? Nothing, Sam. Just forget it. Goodbye, dear. Alice, what are you talking about? Alice, where are you? Hello, can you hear me, Mother? Yes, Homer, and I'm sorry, but your father says he absolutely won't help you out. But, Mother, doesn't he understand what's happened? Henry gave me 50 cents, provided I go over to his house and get a delivery bicycle he has and take it to McCall's drugstore, see? Yes. And just after I took the 50 cents and bought some punch with it, who do you think showed up? Who? Agnes, with a different dress on. And before she'd even dance, she had to have some punch. Boy, she went right through 20 cents. <laughs> and I wondered whether Father wouldn't be willing to deliver that bicycle for me, provided I give him part of next week's allowance. You're afraid Agnes will be hurt if you leave. Well, sure, wouldn't you be? Well, dear, I'll have a talk with your father. Only he has his shoes off, and you know what that means. Yeah, but, Mother, you know how to handle him. She was all you have to do is talk to him the way you do, and you can get him into his shoes. <laughs> <laughs> now, don't worry, dear. You go on with your dancing. After all, you're only young once. Get over on your own side of the street. Suppose you get over on your side. Now help 
me off. Oh, Alice Caldridge, may I ask what you're doing? Harriet, you're just the person I want to see. Could you take this package of ice cream into the Allison's house here? What are you doing? Delivering packages. Packages? For the poor? <laughs> Harriet, the Allisons are giving a party in there, and I have got their ice cream, and I haven't been invited, and... Well, so you'll just have to take it in for me. But, Alice, I'm late for a bridge party over at the Andersons. But don't you understand? Dressed the way I am, I can't go into the Allisons. And, frankly, neither can I. They'll only think I'm trying to crash their party. Now, Harriet, do you remember on your 13th birthday when you were too bashful to ask Bill Townsend to your party and I did it for you and you swore you'd do anything in the world for me any time I asked you? No. Harriet, you didn't. I did not. Well, anyway, you're going right over by Maple Street. Could you at least leave this bottle of cough syrup at 227? Oh, is it important? It's very important. You see, Mr. McCall just started a new drugstore, and Henry's trying to help him out. Well, all right. And, Alice, if you don't want to see the Allisons, why don't you just leave the ice cream on the front porch, ring the bell, and run? Because there's a dollar forty due on it. Oh, and there's 90 cents due on the cough syrup. And don't lose it in the bridge game. <laughs> Lady, I sent that cough syrup about nearly 40 minutes ago. I've got a new delivery girl, see? And she... What? What's that? Oh, yes. Well, uh, when the girl gets there, you give her the other bottle you want refilled and tell her to bring it back here. <laughs> Forget it. No trouble at all. Goodbye. Good evening. Joe. Uh, uh, yes, good evening. Uh, something I can do for you? Well, could you tell me... Uh, have you seen my wife this evening? Your wife? Isn't this where Henry Aldrich works? This is where he's supposed to work. Well, what I mean is, uh, did my wife bring a bicycle down here? Oh, you Henry's brother-in-law? How do you do? <laughs> I beg your pardon? I don't want to complain about your wife, sir, but I sent her out with some packages nearly an hour ago. Some packages? And I've got some more for her to take out, and she hasn't come back yet. You mean, Alice, my wife... And what I want to know is what you're going to do about it. What I'm going to do about it. I thought your family was the kind that could be relied on. We are the kind that can be relied on. That's why we're helping you out. What do you mean by we? I haven't seen you do anything yet. What's that? Listen, I'm going out and deliver a couple of these orders myself. You stay here and take care of the store. What's that? And if there's anything you can't find, just ask. Ask? Ask who? Suggest something. What, Henry? Well, let's hit this next dance out. All right. As a matter of fact, let's go out on the porch and get some air. All right. Boy, do I feel good. Ever since I got Homer lined up to take that bicycle back for me. It just goes to show. What goes to show? Well, I mean, if you've got a job, see, and you're conscientious about it, it pays. Now, I was just talking to Mr. Scott a few minutes ago, and he asked me whether I wouldn't like a job working for him. Really? Provided I can give him some good references. Gee, I wouldn't hesitate a minute asking Mr. McCall for one. Henry, isn't that Agnes Lawson? Where? At the end of the porch there in the moonlight. Oh, who do you suppose that boy is? Hey, let's walk down and see. Wait till I tell Homer. Just wait till I tell Homer. Now listen, Henry, you keep away from here. 
Homer, is that you? Let's get away from it. Yeah, but, but Homer, how about my bicycle? Uh, don't you realize my whole reputation's at to the troubles of Henry Aldrich. Because she's decided her son is young only once, Mrs. Aldrich has consented to run an errand for Henry in order that he may go to the country club dance. The scene opens in the Aldrich front hall. Homer Brown's father is on the phone. Hello, hello. Hello. Hello, Mrs. Brown speaking. Elizabeth, this is Will. Who? Will, your husband. I can't find that bicycle of Henry's. Oh, did you look all over their yard? I walked into every tree out there, and there's still no sign of it. Well, where are you now? I'm in the Aldrich front hall. And Elizabeth, I'm in my house slippers, and I'm standing in water. In water? Well, I can't be responsible if they aren't more careful where they put their vases of flowers. <laughs> you just stopped to find that bicycle. Homer says Henry was very much concerned about it being taken back. Yeah. And he won't enjoy the dance one bit if he knows you've fallen down on him. Well, I'll give him ten more minutes, and then I quit. Goodbye. Bye. Uh... Hold your heart, Hello. Hello, is this you, Father? Homer, where are you? This isn't Homer, it's Henry. Oh, it is. Well, this is Mr. Brown. Mr. Brown? Gee, was how I get the wrong number. Goodbye, Father. I mean, goodbye. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Where's your bicycle? Hello? Hello? but could you give me some information? What is it you'd like to know, lady? Well, well, have you any idea where number 227 Maple Street would be? Let's see now. Isn't it this house right here? No, I was just in there, and they haven't had a cold all year. What's that? 227 Maple Street ordered this cough syrup, and I'd like to get rid of it so I can go to a bridge party. How about the house next door? Oh, I tried that one, too. They said they don't think there is any 227. Let's see the address on your package. Here you are. That's 227, all right. Or 277. His what? And that certainly says Maple. Or is it Marble? Marble Street? <laughs> Don't get discouraged, lady. You're on the right track. Now then. I'm sorry to keep you waiting, lady. Is there something I can do for you? Yes, sir. I'd like a chocolate frosted. <laughs> a chocolate what? Oh, that's something to drink, isn't it? It certainly is. It's made with chocolate syrup, milk, and ice cream. Yes, and that's all? Yes, and then you put it in that mixer. Yes, well, that sounds easy enough. Now then, lady, we'll get a glass. <laughs> ah, here we are. Oh, isn't that a Sunday dish? Oh, I see. Uh, you want a big drink? That's right. <laughs> well, now, uh, here, how's this size? <laughs> oh, my goodness, do I get one that big? Yeah, I think this is a drinking glass. Couldn't be just an ornament, could it? <laughs> now then, let's see. I guess the logical thing would be to start with the chocolate. 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 You wouldn't be interested in strawberry, would you? No, thank you. I got strawberry right here. Uh -oh. Lemon, sarsaparilla, 
Maybe they keep the chocolate in one of these bowls. No, that's the cherries. How would you like to have me throw a cherry in? No, thank you. How about that other bowl? This one? Yes, that's the wrap. Well, I never saw anything like that before. It's sort of a lather. Isn't that whipped cream? Oh, so it is. It's been a long time since I've seen any whipped cream. <coughs> We're both wrong. It's mayonnaise. Isn't that chocolate right here? Oh, yes. Good for you, lady. Well, here we go. Are you going to have room for the milk? Well, if we don't, we'll get another glass and I'll drink part of it. <laughs> have you ever done this before? Uh, not as a general rule. Actually, I'm a lawyer. Oh. And you have to take this job tonight. <laughs> well, I have to take it tonight, anyhow. Now, then, let's see. Ah, here's the ice cream. I wonder what they take it out with. Well, isn't there a scoop? No, and I... Certainly don't want to use my hand. Yes, my goodness, no. Oh, here's the scoop right here. Is that vanilla? Oh, yes. You can't fool me on vanilla. Well, the ice cream won't come out of the scoop. Well, all you have to do is squeeze that little jigger and it drops right out. Yes, I realize that. But for some reason, for some reason, would you excuse me a minute while I go out and back and see whether I can find a screwdriver? Good evening. Good evening. Are you Mrs. Allison's maid? I am. Don't tell me that's our ice cream. I'm afraid it is. I was a little delayed on the way. You were delayed? Wasn't that you I saw standing right out in front of the house for the last 15 minutes? Yes. I was trying to get some boy to... Well, that is, I'm sorry, but here's your ice cream. If you don't want it, you don't have to take it. Thank you. And there's a dollar forty due on it. All right. Now wait right out there. That's just what I intend to do. Oh, Amy. Yes, Mrs. Allison. He's finally here, and it's they want to collect one dollar and forty cents. All right. Tell a boy I'll be right out and pay him. It isn't a boy. It's a girl. A girl. Yes, ma'am. Now then, young woman, here's your dollar forty and ten cents for yourself. Although you've been so long getting here, you certainly don't... Oh, my goodness, is that you, Mrs. Aldridge? Why, yes, yes. Good evening, Mrs. Allison. Oh, where's the young woman I'm supposed to give this to? The young woman? The one who brought the ice cream. What did she do? Go on back to the store? Well, I... Well, yes, yes. Yes, I guess she must have. I'm so glad you decided to come. Where's Mr. Aldridge? Come in. Oh, no, I couldn't think of coming in. Why not? We'd love to have you. You're just in time for ice cream. No, thanks, Mrs. Allison. As a matter of fact, I don't know why I came over at all. Was there something you wanted, dear? Uh, no, no, just forget the whole thing. Goodbye. Goodbye. My goodness, did you hurt yourself, Mrs. Aldridge? No, no, I just fell over my bicycle. <laughs> Hey, isn't anybody in charge of this store? The clerk just went around and back again. Oh, yeah? He's been mixing you your chocolate frosted for the last half hour. He ran oh. into a little trouble. Oh. And Mr. McCall, hello there. I'll be right out. Well, they have a minute. i got to get back home. Now then, what can I do for you? Oh, here's what I want to ask. That bicycle. Sam Aldridge. 
Hello, Will Brown. What are you doing in that apron? Why... Sam, I, I can't find Henry's bicycle anywhere. Where is it? Oh, that's all right. Alice has it. Uh, Alice has it? She's out delivering. She's what? Listen, Sam, have you bought this drugstore? Mr. McCall! Oh, Mr. McCall! Oh, my, Sam Aldrich! Harriet, where did you come from? Sam, I finally found 227 Maple Street, but the lady says I can't have my 90 cents until I get this bottle filled for them. What's it for? I don't know, but I've got a bridge game waiting. Well, just a minute, Harriet. Hello, McCall's Pharmacy. Good evening. Oh, Mr. McCall, this is Henry. This is who? Henry Aldrich, remember? I've called up to say I've resigned. Henry, this is your father. with you. Here, Will, get behind the counter here and give me a hand. Who, what? Oh, Mr. McCall. Is that you, Alice? Sam Aldrich, how did you happen to leave the house in a dirty apron? <laughs> you want me to get chocolate all over my suit? Dear, have you got a dollar forty? Because if you have, give it to Mr. McCall right away because I'm quitting. Your what? Hello, McCall Pharmacy. Good evening. Is this McCall? It is. This is Mr. McCall. Henry, don't you know your own father when he speaks to you? Listen, father. I thought you said this was McCall. How do I keep getting the wrong number? Goodbye. <laughs> Henry! Wait! Yes, father. Do you want me? Why are you quitting your job down here? Because I've got a swell one with Mr. Scott. Doing what? Oh, it's nice outdoor work. Mixing cement. Don't you think mother would want me to take it? Now, Henry, you're not getting your mother mixed up in any cement. <laughs> The years of World War II are beginning to fade in many memories in America. Children are growing up who don't remember the names that made the rest of us shudder, like Pearl Harbor, Iwo Jima, Anzio. It's easy to forget over here. But in Europe, the scars of World War II are still raw. Hunger still stalks the land. Children are starving, and old people are dying from malnutrition. There is one organization that helps in the battle against the war-born hunger, CARE, C-A-R-E. CARE prepares scientifically selected and packed food parcels for distribution overseas. Delivery is guaranteed, and mass purchasing and planning provides the greatest economy. CARE is the best way to send parcels to relatives of friends abroad. And for those who wish to help CARE select families abroad to receive parcels donated for anonymous recipients. If you want to aid the fight against hunger, send your dollars and dimes to CARE New York. And if you have people in the war-torn lands... Remember, show them you care through care. The Aldridge Family is transcribed as written by Clifford Goldsmith. Henry is played by Bobby Ellis and Homer by Jack Grimes. Mr. and Mrs. Aldridge are House Jameson and Barbara Robbins. Your announcer is Dick Dudley. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Nero Wolf, followed by The Fred Allen Show. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor.
Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.